episode of The Big Question presented by Framing Film, a podcast taking an in-depth look at a specific related question. On this episode, we'll discuss the summer movie season and why it appears to be struggling at the box office. As always, I'm your host, Coop Hood. Once again, joined by Josh Draley. Hello, everyone. Hello, Cooper. Hello. Question for you. Okay. Drive-in theaters. Good, bad, neutral. It's never summer. been to one. You've never been to a drive-in movie theater? Never been to one. Really? Don't believe so. What do you think of them in the abstract then? Not really. You don't think of them. I don't really ever think about them. Okay. I mean, I see other people go to them. But, oh, I like I like them. If nothing for the fact that it it's just outside. Uh-huh. It's like oh, all these people have driven here in their cars to watch the movies. But for the most part. For the most part. Some people ride <laughs> their bikes. I've seen that once or twice. I think they're good. Sad they're dying. Uh-huh. Um, but the concept is kind of cool. It's like you can all be in this same place, but also like you're in your own little world. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about someone like crunching and all those sorts of things. But then also like the speaker situation. It'd and... be like going to a movie theater where instead of like chairs and regular like, rows, there's like cubicles. And you're in there with like there's not like your own individualized sound system mm-hmm. and it's soundproofed and you yes. can just see everything. There's no nothing's balking it, but then like you don't have to hear like you mentioned people taking out their snacks the Ooh. worst possible second of the movie. <laughs> I have a question for you, real quick, uh-huh. before we jump into this thing. What is the most innovative movie theater you've seen? Like we don't have those around here where we are from in the Fort Wayne of Indiana, uh-huh. but like online sometimes you'll be like, oh look, they have loud couches and like love seats in this theater that you can just jump into i saw one recently where there's like a bed uh-huh, I heard in about one that. and they change the sheets every like every screening and all that jazz it's, still seems like a little much it is a little much but is there is there one that you've seen that's your favorite um i don't know i mean i i am just i i, I like the idea of recliners yes. with the biggest screen possible um we don't have we can have i can have one or the other here so Ideally, something that, that combines the two melds them, like which I know Adobe exists cinema. all around the world, just not here. Mm-hmm. Um, that is that's what I'm like. Oh, I wish I had one of those. Yeah, same here. That's that's my favorite. But anyway, I came across this Finnish bedroom movie theater online on Twitter specifically, and you can follow us on Twitter at Friends in Film. And if you're looking for other big questions, well. We have those. We ask them all the time. You can find those on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts can be found. Maybe you want to check out a new podcast app called Podcoin that we are using. Um, you sign up. You get rewards for listening and doing the thing that you're already doing, listening to podcasts. So why not? Jump on there. Use our code friends at si- and sign film and get 300 free coins. That's right. So go use Podcoin. Uh, great service and again you can get paid to listen to absolutely. us absolutely but if you can before you go go to apple podcast rate and review us that'll ultimately help rank us and then we can find more friends of the show that's right um and maybe those new friends old friends whatever friends if you have friends will maybe I go hope so i hope so i hope you do reach uh, out if you don't yeah you know reach out to us reach out to other people uh have some friends and maybe go to the movies uh this summer because it seems like the movies um in general are struggling at the box office this year um because there's been a lot of talk after uh, you know, Men in Black International came out this past weekend and f- largely underperformed by really any metric. It got um, not great reviews, which did not, which did not help its case. Then it opened to less than $30 million domestically. It didn't make $100 million worldwide in its opening weekend, which is a good sign for that movie. But domestically, 
This film crashes the week after Dark Phoenix crashed and burned um, and had a huge drop-off in its second weekend. At, that won't be surprising if that is the same case that um, in Fate That Befalls Men in Black International. And so this has brought up a lot of conversation online between us, between other people of, you know, what is going on with the summer movie season? Why are, why are movies struggling so bad? That's why our big question this week is why are summer movies struggling at the box office? And to get into that, there's a lot of different aspects we need to get it, We need to talk about. Um, first, I figured we'd be best to kind of run through the 20 or so not- notable movies that have come out this summer. The ones we're watching. Right. I mean, for the most part. Um Sometimes skipping. And, and you know, uh, f- you know, uh, disclaimer: Avengers Endgame is one, even though it technically came out the week before the summer movie season. Um, but you cannot say that, that movie coming out the week before did not impact the movies that came afterwards. So that is part of this conversation in this list. Um, but there's also Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, John Wick Three, Dark Phoenix, MIB International. Uh, the Secret Life of Pets Two, Rocket Man, and then as we get into kind of the, some of the smaller, but you know, they. They were, you know, successful to various degrees. Uh, movies like The Hustle, Ma, Brightburn, Longshot, A Dog's Journey, Ugly Dolls, Booksmart, Palms, Shaft, The Sun is Also a Star, and Tolkien. Those are kind of the the biggest, the most notable movies that have come out this summer. Uh, and, the, you know, the month and a half that the summer movie season has been going on. And as we kind of look at those, Josh, you know, is which ones of those really stand out to you as, oh, these ones really underperformed. These are the ones that, like, we really need to be up in arms about. That's, I mean, okay. So that's a very good question. And I have opinions Uh about a lot of things and like I've prejudged a lot of films before they've come out. And so my expectations are where they are in uh, a lot of ways. Um, But there are two that I think have been huge underperformers. And one is Godzilla King of Monsters. And then another, weirdly enough, even though it did fine by all objective standards, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Um, and like these are two films that are, like have pre-built in audiences, but there's a freshness to a lot of their takes in a lot of ways. Even though Godzilla is like the 50th of them of all the films or whatever yeah. the case is, and it's one of these things from like, oh wow, how did that not do better? Like everyone loves Pokemon, mm-hmm. and I called it like at a billion dollars. It right. will not get there. Not even, even close. Remotely close. And I feel like an idiot. I said, maybe it gives maybe Avatar. Get, maybe it gets a two. Maybe it gets a three. Right, yeah. And not the case at all in the slightest. And so those are the ones where I just like totally like whiffed on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for so many reasons. Yeah. I mean, Detective Pikachu made a hundred and has currently made $140 million domestically worldwide totals four twenty. So, with a $150 million budget, it's right about at that break-even point for Warner Brothers and Legendary. So, you know, we know there's a sequel coming. So that movie didn't drastically, I mean, it underperformed from what I think a lot of people, you're, you included, me included, mm-hmm. um, really expected this movie to do financially. But it's not going to go down as like a failure no. necessarily. I think more appropriately, Godzilla King of the Monsters is one that I'm kind of looking at and being like, what happened? Yeah. Because it hasn't even made a hundred million dollars domestically mm-hmm. as of the, our recording. Um, so I mean, when you guys hear this three days from now, there's an offset chance that it could have made that extra seven million dollars. Um, you know, and cross that threshold, probably it, it will at some point, regardless. But um, at this point, it's only made three hundred and forty million dollars worldwide. So it's doubled its production budget, which <laughs> is fine. But it probably you probably need to triple that, get up to close to five hundred million dollars to really make this thing profitable and that's not great news for warner brothers 
um, the same studio behind Detective Pikachu because they already have Godzilla vs. Kong coming out next year. It's already wrapped. They're ready for this thing to go. <laughs> and now they're like, well, maybe we'll delay it a little bit and uh, tweak some things to try to reinvigorate interest because something yeah. is not there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about these two movies, about movies like Dark Phoenix, movies like um, MIB International that are really hurting them. Um, but I also am not really sure how many of them I'm like should really be that upset about at this point. Like the prob- the probably the one that I'm like most like, oh, I wish this would have done a lot better is probably Detective Pikachu because that's the one of this bunch that I've liked the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like and. On the, like the flip side for me, like too, like Godzilla King of the Monsters is like the one also. And then for this, like you know, that I thought deserved at least money rather than my praise because it didn't get a lot of that from me. Mm-hmm. It, it's a fine movie, right. you know. The original Godzilla was a fine movie. It made two hundred million dollars domestically, mm-hmm. I believe. And so like it hasn't even. You, if even if you tripled today's numbers for King of Monsters, you're not even getting back to where you started in 2014. Um, and so, like, it's something I just you know kind of like throw your hands and be like, oh, audiences will love it because it does all these like really kitschy things. No, not the case at all. Mm-hmm. And so, you're just sort of kind of like left in the, it's like left in the lurch. Detective Pikachu, one I enjoyed too that I thought was like oh, okay, I really and just like it's not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, not my taste. Uh-huh. That, not my taste. And then, you know, wide audiences, $140 million. That's nuts. I thought, especially as a live action film that had the potential of being like a $200 million thing or what I was shouting from the rooftops, a billion dollars. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, in so many respects. Yeah. But I mean, when you also like look at a lot of these movies, like, you know, Godzilla, King of the Monsters opened a $50 million, opened a $47 million domestically. Godzilla 2014, Five years ago, opened to $93 million Yeah, in basically the same release window. Mm-hmm. So that's a 50% drop opening weekend, opening weekend in, in five years. Did they wait too long? I don't know. That, that I mean, maybe that's the case. Maybe that is why this like that movie struggled. Then you also look at Secret Life of Pets 2. This movie came out uh, three years after the original movie, and it opened to, again, less than or more than 50% below what the first movie opened up to. The first movie opened up to $104 million domestically in the middle of July. This one comes out in the middle of June, and it makes $46 million opening weekend. So these are huge drops that these movies are experiencing, and it's I, I don't I don't really know what you know to put the... I can't put my finger on what it is that is having this substantial, because it's not like these movies are somewhat underperforming these are mm-hmm. massive drop downs from the previous installments and i'm trying to pull up um apocalypse's opening weekend too because dark phoenix opened to 32 million dollars uh domestically while x-men apocalypse opened at 65 so again 50 percent drop these are huge numbers that no studio expects but then all three of them same summer within a month of each other yeah and it's just like, why are, why are these movies fun to art? And the MIB International, same thing. Men in Black 3 in uh, 2012, 2013? Yes. Open over $50 million. This one can't even get to 30. So again, it's a roughly $50 million, or 50% drop. And it's just, you look at all these, we can't compare Detective Pikachu to anything else because it's the first live action Pikachu movie. Yes. Or Pokemon movie. But these are giant drops and... In a lot of, I mean, in, in some cases, the quality may not be up to standards, mm-hmm. and maybe that's to blame. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then like, we'll get into that, I guess, like a little bit later here. But like, I think honestly, like when we talk about some of these films, that's a through line right. through it is, I mean, um, just using an objective metric mm-hmm. like Rotten Tomatoes is there's a drastic difference. Yeah. There's, I don't want to say a lack of effort, but there's like, I mean, a phoning it in, in I mean, some I, respects. In, as far as I believe, Pikachu is the only one that has a, for whatever it's worth to you, a fresh rate in Rotten Tomatoes. Correct. And for, even though I don't really like using that as a metric of, oh, this is a good movie because it's certified fresh or it's fresh mm-hmm. or whatever because yes. Rotten Tomatoes is a flawed system. But for a lot of people, Rotten Tomatoes is the thing they look at yeah. to see, oh, should I see this movie? Ooh, 22%. And for... 90% of the population, maybe even higher than that, they think that that means it is a, that, that only 22% of that movie is good. Mm-hmm. And that puts on like a two out of a 10 scale. Yeah. But that is not how the Rotten Tomatoes system works at all. Right. And then like you think about like Solo, a Star Wars story. How does that have a 70? I don't know. <laughs> you just, there's the, it's, it's a flip side here. There's uh-huh. a, it's, a, it's a two-sided coin uh, but, for so many reasons. Right. But it looks like just based on like these five movies that we've talked about that have really underperformed from, yeah. from you know, big franchise perspectives. As of right now, I don't really feel too bad about any of them no, doing so. I don't either. So is there anyone that you're like, oh, I wish this movie so far this summer would have performed better than it has yeah 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 i there's one where i take a look at it the, i mean there's two but one i haven't seen yet but uh-huh. i mean book smart you know you, you always want to see comedies like that it, it's, well. it's great and like it deserves your money but right. i'm it's thinking tough. i'm thinking of long shot yes another one that it's a romantic comedy and listen those aren't showing up at the box office very mm-hmm. often but it's very niche but it's very good and it's sad to see that it didn't you know churn in a hundred million dollars or so like as a low bar number for it i mean comedies doing that today is kind of unheard of oh yeah but i still thought it was something that definitely deserved more than 30 million dollars it didn't even make 50 million dollars worldwide so that's like that is huge drop and i mean you look at booksmart booksmart i mean it's almost made 20 million dollars domestically like again that's not you know there's people out there clamoring for this movie to be huge be like you know to rival and make it should have opened to 30 to 50 million dollars domestically but like that like i mean in what reality was that really going to happen like if right. you face the facts like that is very unlikely but to you know make nearly 20 million dollars again that's not a lot uh this movie has not made anything overseas uh, according to box office mojo um or at least nothing reported but it looks like they've I mean maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars yeah um but like again, like this movie, like this movie's budget was probably two million tops. I think like estimated at five. So yeah. it, it, it quadrupled its budget domestically. That's a win. Mm-hmm. Like sure, it's not a. It, this isn't. This is no us scenario where we're going. Jordan Peele made a five million dollar movie and he takes it and or not or get out. He yes. takes a five million dollar budget and makes two hundred plus domestically, mm-hmm. and this is a huge hit. And it you know takes his career to the next level. Oscars, digital sales, et cetera, et cetera. cetera. Like that, like that's not this case, but like Booksmart has made its money back and it has to be profitable. Right. Barring some crazy budget that I don't foresee being the case of that movie. Mm -hmm. But that's even, even in that case, that's still the one that I'm like, man, I wish that would done better. I agree with you about long shot. I even would like to see Brightburn make a little bit more money. You know, it's made um, about $17 million uh, domestically, but, and on a pretty small budget, but still, I think that movie is very solid. It does a lot with its small premise, but again, $6 million budget. It's made $28 million worldwide. It's a, it's a profitable movie. Mm-hmm. And sure. I think a lot of people are just getting hung up on the, Oh, well, it's not hitting, x amount of dollars so it's not a hit 
Right. And I think that is the misconception in a lot of ways where even if you go look at the box office numbers for the last, uh, you know, nine years from 2010 and on, uh, when you look at, and this is a very low bar in some cases, the high bar in other cases of a hundred million dollars domestically in the summer season from the first week of May to Labor Day. That is, that is what box office mojo defines as the summer movie season. Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking at here. And as I look through the last decade, for the most part, these movie these each year hits between twelve and fourteen. That's like the that's the range you want to be in. Yeah, in a hundred million dollars, that's how many movies come out in the summer season. There's more that come out the rest of the year, but in the summer season, there's twelve to fourteen movies, and that's all that hit a hundred million dollars worldwide or hit a hundred million dollars domestically in that season. There are, there are outliers. Twenty eleven and twenty thirteen had eighteen and nineteen movies cross that uh, threshold, and that's that is huge. We're almost doubling that number, and I. It is, oddly enough, a result of comedies in most cases, really playing heavily. And then there's also you know big franchises that mm-hmm. are hitting. Um, but there's not a lot. And, and I can't say that all those movies went on to be hits just because they cost $100 million domestically. But it is a good stepping stone to say that this movie did something that resonated enough with audiences. Yeah, and that, I mean, and that plus, that's too, that's kicking us back to the days where Transformers movies were something to behold. Uh, Harry Potter yep. was wrapping up. Um, what else was the going MCU on? The MCU had yet to become this, like, giant juggernaut. Yeah, that's is that that's first Avenger territory, right? Yeah, first, yeah. It, we're not in, and even, you know, you go back to 2017, I mean, these movies, all three of the MCU movies made over $300 million domestically, I think, mm. but, like, that's still... Like Captain Marvel made more than that this year. Again, not some movie season, but like there is still we haven't hit that Infinity War Endgame. Yeah, these are the these are literally the biggest movies in the world. Movies that pack a punch, but aren't necessarily juggernauts or you know like a coalescence of the entire cultural zeitgeist mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. So yeah, I mean totally. Um, I don't forgot I forgot, forgot the point here, but the idea <laughs> is like. Well, I think the the, the point is that like. If we're, if we're looking at that $100 million bar, like if that's it's what we're- It's rare to hit. Right. And so I have a question for you real quick. Are our expectations too high? Are our expectations too high? Yeah. I think in a lot of cases, yes. Or maybe not. I mean, I think we have just gotten used to over the last several years of like, if your movie, like it seems like if your movie doesn't hit $800 million to a billion dollars, mm-hmm. it is deemed by most people to be not a hit. Yeah. Mainly because a lot of these studios for these big blockbusters that are supposed to be hitting these types of numbers are spending $150 million, $200 million, $250 million on the budgets of the movies. Mm-hmm. So they have to triple that to then get in the profit. And that is a tough bar to hit. So then when you look at a movie like Shazam, which is not did not come out in the summer season, come out in early April, and it makes $350, $360 million worldwide, people are like, oof, not great. Not great, Bob. But really, that movie was made on a budget of less than $100 million. Yeah. So it is a hit. It's just not the hit that people always think of. It's not an Aquaman where it goes, has a small opening and has these incredible legs, makes a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. It's not that, but it is still a hit in its own right. And I think that's part of the difficulty here for a lot of people where you can't just be looking at every movie and saying, well, how are they going to catch Star Wars? How are they going to catch them to you? Because that's not every movie has to do that. Right. And you look at this year so far, this summer season, we've had three movies, as of this recording, cross $100 domestically. Not a lot, but we're only six weeks in. So we had Aladdin do it, John Wick Chapter 3 did it, and Detective Pikachu did it. Mm-hmm. Those are the top three right. grossing movies domestically of the summer season. 
as of right now, Godzilla 2 and Sea Life of Pets 2 have not hit that mark yet, but they will probably by the end of this week. So that'll be five movies, and Rocketman has an outside chance. I probably wouldn't bet on it getting to that mark, but there's a there's a there's a chance that that movie has strong enough legs to get another 35-ish million dollars and cross that mark, and that gives us six movies in the first several weeks of the summer movie season, not including Avengers Endgame, which is made $800 million domestically, right. which obviously takes away a lot of money from a lot of other movies. So if we're looking at five to six movies domestically, as of right now, that have $100 million or will likely hit $100 million domestically, and we look at to the rest of the summer, mm-hmm. how many other movies are realistically going to hit that mark? Are we? Can we get back up to the 12 to 14 range? And if so, then a lot of this is kind of a mute point where it's not a lot of these movies are struggling. It's more of, well, they're not just hitting your very high expectations. Yeah, exactly. And then also too, like shifting, um, like there's a focus on franchises here. Like you mm-hmm. just mentioned those films right there. Um, like a remake, Aladdin 2019 live action remake, um, John Wick chapter three, the trilogy, and then T- detective Pikachu, fresh new property. Um, and there's a pattern that we'll get into here, but those are all fine movies. Yeah. Like Aladdin is what it is. John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Excellent. Beautiful. Take the Pikachu. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. No complaints. Yeah. I mean, complaints, but like... Nothing, <laughs> but like, it's not like you're like, like, oh, I hate this movie. Don't go see it. Exactly. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it does its duty, if you will. It's it's recommendable at, the, at a baseline level. Absolutely. And then you look forward and you're like, okay, well, things will just kind of like straddle across the finish line. Mm-hmm. And then you have, like you said, these next and upcoming movies where you've got... Toy Story Toy 4 Story this next 4. weekend. That's going to do it in its first weekend. If Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's uh, going to do it probably by the end of Saturday. You've got Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw which coming is, up. Which is the test for the Fast and Furious franchise, but it's also probably... But there's no way that, movie, that movie's going to open to probably 60 to 70. Exactly. And it'll definitely hit a $100 million mm-hmm. domestically. No question. You've got Spider-Man Homecoming, or Far, Far From, from Home, home. Yep. on its way around. Yep. Um, and then I and imagine... Again, that, that one's projected movies. to do it up in... That movie's projected to do 150 to $180 million in its extended six-day <laughs> opening <laughs> thanks to the July 4th weekend. So as of just in those three, that's three more movies that mm-hmm. are, were saying, yes, those are definitely going to hit that $100 million mark. Yep. Then there's also The Lion King that of is course. definitely going to do it. It's going to do it in its opening weekend probably. Um, and then other than that, I mean, what about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I think that's a movie that will probably have strong enough legs, strong enough word of mouth, as long as Tarantino delivers as the early reactions kind of says he has. That's one that I will not be shocked if it has that kind of a performance. And then we're getting into, you know, that's seven movies then, right? Or no, no, sorry. We have five. We have five currently. Mm-hmm. If we're ca- if we're not counting Rocket Man, yep. Then we got Toy Story four, which would be six. Spider Man Far From Home, which would be seven. The Lion King would be eight. Hobbs and Shaw would be nine. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood gets there, that's 10. And that's not that far below where we're at. And then we're looking at kind of diamond in the rough. Can they you know, can they actually get there? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Like Child's Play, could that movie surprise enough to get $100 domestically? I wouldn't count on it because it has to go straight up against Toy Story 4. But there could be enough counter-programming there if it is quality for sure to get that mark. The fact that we don't have reviews for it yet, so you know, though. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> but there's Annabelle Comes Home Annabelle right after. Exactly. Another in the line of the Conjuring Universe films, which do exceptionally well. The mm-hmm. Nun was a trash heap. But it's still the highest grossing one of the whole still series. Still the highest grossing one of the entire series. Annabelle Comes Home, which I think is supposed to be a lot better under the direction of Gary Dauber. Dauberman? 
Dowerman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, this should be good then. And sticking with the horror vibe, like Midsommar, yeah. do I think it's going to get there? I would probably s- say not. No. Like, I don't think it's going to get there, but, like, can it get to 70 to 80? Probably. I think so. And, like, yeah, that's not hitting our benchmark, but that's still a pretty good haul for a movie that probably has a very small budget, and that's just domestically. Do you, like, what about a movie like Yesterday? The the Beatles are out, of our, are out of their lives. This other guy makes up the songs. I think that movie looks really charming. I think I've seen people react positively to it in theaters. Um, I won't be surprised if that becomes a feel-good summer hit and has that kind of a strong word of mouth, strong legs, hits that benchmark too. Um, and then we're kind of looking at the end of the summer season. Uh, you know, The Kitchen, I would probably say no. But then again, it's Melissa McCarthy and Tiffany Haddish, who are two of like the biggest like female stars right now. Um, do I think them plus a DC-ish label can get them $200 million domestically? I think there's a chance. Yeah. And then Door, Door in the Lost City of Gold, like that is definitely not for me. <laughs> But there's like that is a family friendly PG, if not G movie mm-hmm. that's going to go right at the young audiences and probably resonate very well with them. And that I think has an outside chance to get there. Then Angry Birds 2, yep. the first movie did $100 million domestically. I will not be surprised if the second one does it as well, especially because it's coming out in the first weekend of August, I believe. So it'll have a very friendly uh, release date where it's like a lot of those big box blockbusters have already been out. August for the rest of the way is a trash heap and it can just kind of be the only game in town right. as far as new entertainment for children and it can get there too. And I think by the end of this, we're going to be in the same territory we are as for most of the decade where between 12 and 14 movies do over a hundred dollars domestically. Will all of them on that benchmark alone be hits? I don't know. That's tough to say, but that, that is at least saying that like the summer movie season as a whole is not this giant crapshoot that I think a lot of people are making out to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and it's the, well. And here's the thing too is we've we've been in this age of like sequels underperforming, um, remakes underperforming, and what that's doing is causing a pan. Like, oh no! Well, first it causes the confusion. There's no originality anymore. People mm-hmm. are banking off of. Old ideas are right. the same thing. The only thing that can again. succeed is franchise and IP. Exactly. And then now you're finally, the IP is running out. It's finally kind of getting itself gassed. I mean, we'll see what happens post Endgame and mm-hmm. like this coalescence of the franchisization of everything and um, the connectability of all these things and the spinoff ability of all these things. That'll be put to the test in the intervening years. But also, like, the race to just reboot and throw it out there is not going well in terms of like quality and critical consensus. It's, it's it looks like it's blatant cash grabby. And you think of um, Pirates of the Caribbean, um, Dead Man Tell No Tales, uh-huh. terrible movie <laughs> by all accounts. But it was trying to play off of a franchise that you know was gangbusters. Was I mean just was a a lock for $150 million, you know, week to week to week to week. I mean, or granted, it, year to year it did do 172 episode. domestically. It did, it did fine. But, but it, it only terrible. opened to 62. So I think that's the lowest outside of the original movie. And we haven't, we're not currently presently watching a sequel for it this year, which says everything we need to tell you. Yeah. So I think as we kind of look at, because I think we've been kind of saying more of our discussion points so far have been more of like, the summer movie season hasn't really been that bad. It's just people are yeah. expecting too much. But at the same time, I will agree that like a lot of these movies are struggling that mm-hmm. have come out. And it brings us back to the question of why. Why are these movies struggling? I think for you and me, I think the lack of quality 
is one that I think we can easily point to and say, listen, if we're seeing these movies and like we're, you know, we're on this podcast that a couple people listen to and we're like, and if people ask us, Hey, what movie should I go see? I'm like, honestly, like go see John wick three. And like, that's about it. Or go Five take times. the family for Aladdin. Yeah. Like there's not much else out there that mm-hmm. you need to go pay for. Like yeah. I had somebody at my house uh, this past week talking about asking me like, Oh, like what should I go see? Is there anything out? I'm like John wick three is really good. Go see that. Aladdin's really good for the family. But honestly, at this point, I would just save my money for next week. Go see Toy Story 4 because I've heard it's good. It looks good. And that franchise is good. You know? And maybe a lot of people don't like that answer because it's like, oh, well, don't don't just give all your money to Disney. But, like, you know, Disney's giving us good product. Yeah, right. So it's not like if Disney was making crap movies and still making mm-hmm. $800 million with Aladdin or a billion dollars with right. other movies, then I'd be like, okay, well, like this is a problem. Yeah. But, like, if you're looking at the movie industry, these studios, what they're pumping out. Disney seems to be the only one who time in and time out. Yes. They've had like a Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man Tunnel Tales. There's some stinkers in there. Um, but f- those ones then don't perform as well as their past good ones do. So they have that cause and effect, but you look at their churning out respectable product, respectable entertainment, and they're being rewarded for that. Right. And I don't think that, you know, Sony should get $150 million domestically for MIB International because it's a middle-of-the-road blockbuster. No. Like, that's not how this should work. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, And the thing is, too, like you can hope and wish that everyone's movie does well, for sure. Right. But like, after you see it, and once all the artists that we enjoy have gotten their mid-bank already on mm-hmm. the film, who cares? You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, like F. Gary Gray, he's been hired. Yep. He's been paid. So have all of the stars. Men in Black International is a film cut, to, cut together and put out by that studio. No, it does not deserve $150 million. Or like, yeah, like you said, like, absolutely. Um, jumping up to Dark Phoenix, like, no sympathy for that movie at all. Um, okay, maybe a little bit of sympathy like what because it got like- caught in the, the crossfire <laughs> right. of the Fox Marvel or the Fox Disney merger, perhaps. Ma, the um, Octavia Spencer movie from Blumhouse. Mm-hmm she's great. We love her, but her movie's terrible. Or this, this movie that she's right. in is terrible. Do not send it over a hundred million dollars. But the good thing about Ma, which I've not seen, so I cannot speak to the quality of it mm-hmm. is Blumhouse's strategy of keeping these movies with very, very low budgets still makes it. So this movie can do $50 million domestically. I think is roughly where it's sitting yep. at. Yep. And it can do 10 times its budget. Right. And be a huge hit for that studio. And I'm not saying all these other studios need to scale back their budget to that degree, but like I do think MIB International going back to a 90-ish million dollar uh, budget is going to help that movie a lot because it's not going to it didn't have the opening that the past movies have. It's not going to have the legs. It's not going to get to the heights of the franchise before. So having that lower budget will ultimately save its butt if it has to get to that place. Yeah. yeah. Or ultimately, it'll just cut down the amount of money they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. X-Men Dark, Dark Phoenix still spent a ton of money on that movie, on the development of it, and it bombed. And that movie is going to lose at least $100 million for Fox slash Disney now yeah. because of that decision. Instead of scaling back that budget, going with like a New Mutants or Logan or Deadpool and going that less than $100 million budget and having it be have an outside chance to get profitable. Like these are just bad studio decisions in the budgets and then the movies turn out bad. And then why, I mean, I don't get why people are saying, Oh, well just Disney's ruining the industry because these other studios don't have room to make money. Yeah. If they're not making good movies, 
why should they deserve to make money? It kind of kind of boils down to, yeah, Disney is like a, it's almost an entertainment monopoly, I suppose. But like you said, if you're not turning out something that's good, how can it be recommended? How can word of mouth go? And then the answer becomes, don't go see a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. Just stay home. Right. You're already paying for Netflix by this point or Hulu or some streaming service. You've bought in a DVD once in your life. Uh, T- movies have TV has movies I think mm-hmm. cable I've, yeah. I've heard I don't know <laughs> um, and so it just becomes this like Incredibles 2 will soak up all of the money because it's that good while um, you know I'm looking down the list here Skyscraper Dwayne Johnson's movie which I enjoyed thoroughly and thought was fine just just kind of sits there I mean because it's still a paint by the numbers action blockbuster movie mm-hmm. you know it's like the Liam Neeson things, you know, right. or whatever the case is. I mean, those have a cult following, but you know, like we've already seen the rock in these situations before. Like, why do we need another? And so mm-hmm. on and so forth, the concept and things like that. So, yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. And I think like in a lot of those cases, like, am I like neither of us are over a uh, super fond of MIB international uh, or dark Phoenix, but like if somebody's interested in checking them out eventually, like are they really missing that much by not seeing the theaters? I mean, probably not. Like, they can watch it on HBO or Netflix when it gets there or the, the streaming service, whatever inevitable streaming service it lands on, and have a similar experience. Like, these movies, in a lot of ways, because of how much tickets cost, uh, because of the demand for them, like, you have to earn, like, the trust of the audience, but also earn their money. And, like, if you're, like, putting out these lackluster movies, that, mm-hmm. like, but you're like, go see this movie, it's big, it's it's big entertainment. It's fun. And then it's like, well, it's really not. Yeah. They're like, I'm not going to feel sorry for you when you make, when you have a 50% drop from your last franchise installment. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's where you, it's where those tweets are being thrown across the screen right. and desperation attempts to get your, get right. you off the couch. X-Men, X-Men fan five, four, six, nine says, yeah, dark Phoenix is the best movie I've mm-hmm. ever seen. You're like, huh? Seems, <laughs> look, look seems the, a little odd. Look for the phrase wildly entertaining. Right. <laughs> That's that is a that is a key that is a key phrase to know that this film may or may not be what you want to see. <laughs> but I, I think it, like this ultimately just comes down to like you know, is is that is like is the quality the main reason why like you think these movies are perf- like the summer movies are yeah, underperforming? That that's where I'm gonna land for myself personally. Um, for like you know so many reasons. Can we talk about that that outlier year? Um. Or, well, I guess... The two, 2011 and 2013? Yeah, 2011 and 2013, but also 2014 as well, um, which is where we had that, you know, 14 um, oh, yep. film run. Mm-hmm. And can we just, like, let's just run down the list of those films real quick. For so which okay. for which year? 2014. 2014? Because I, okay. I, I think this is a good example of what we're talking about here, okay? Mm-hmm. Number one, Guardians of the Galaxy, phenomenal movie. Good movie, at the very least. Mm-hmm. Transformers Exit Ex- Extinction. Uh, it, it is what it is. It got you in the door, right? But, but that was that was the fourth movie of the franchise. Mm-hmm. After three was like decent, and the trailers sure. for this movie were actually like, oh, okay, this looks interesting. Yeah, very gritty and like right. return. Yeah, Maleficent, good movie. Yeah. X Men: Days of Future Past, good movie. Yep. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, good movie. Sociological, Amazing Spider Man Two, a franchise. Okay, it gets <laughs> it squeaks by with two hundred million dollars. Godzilla, there it is, good movie. Mm-hmm. Innovative on the whole monster thing 22 jump street phenomenal movie yes like how did that not end up number one how to train your dragon there we got that in there there's a teenage mutant ninja turtles the fault in our stars and edge of tomorrow neighbors and did 150 lucy 126 like all, and here's the thing 
terrific movies. And then you jump forward to 2018, 2017, where we have these big, you know, box office meltdowns, if you will. And you get to, I mean, 2018 was actually a pretty good year for the summer. But, I mean, 2017, I suppose. Or whatever the case is. Like, 2017, let's take a peek at it real quick here. 2017 had Wonder Woman, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume mm-hmm. 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, Despicable yep. Me 3, Dunkirk, Pirates of the Caribbean, Cars 3, War of the Planet of the Apes, Transformers The Last Night, uh, Girls Trip, Baby Driver, and Annabelle Creation. In, like, eight of those films are like phenomenal and the others are just fine and franchisey. Yeah. And you and then as soon as you step out of there, you get to the emoji movie, The Mummy, mm-hmm. Hitman's Bodyguard, Alien Covenant. Captain Underpants is actually pretty funny. It is it's uh, really funny. But then you get Baywatch, The Dark Tower, um Snatched, All Eyes on Me, which I haven't seen. But then, you know, uh, Valerian King Arthur and then you can just keep going down the list of all these mm-hmm. really phoned in movies. There's a few um, you know, Annapurnums or like low budget um very niche films that right. kind of are mixed in there, but it's a lot of terrible. And the book of Henry is down there as well. You know, <laughs> that's where we all freaked out about Colin Trevorrow. Right. Um, and so it's just in terms of quality mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, like the emoji movie is the perfect encapsulation of just, we need to make a movie about something. Everybody knows IP, 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 IP. Yep. And it's a garbage film. It is so bad. So bad. Actually, I watched it. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be because mm-hmm. everybody was like, this is like literally like the worst thing ever made. I was like, you know, there was like one or two jokes I laughed at, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's got <laughs> the concept Patrick is Stewart, cool. you know, of course. But I mean, yes, as a whole, I think the lack of quality is where, well, do I agree that maybe ticket pricing is too high and maybe that's why people are saving their money for movies that they generally believe are going to, you know, be worth their money? Yeah, I think that's part of it, but then there's also movie pass. There's a list. There's other, you know, ticket subscription services that are going to save you money if you're like, you know, I want to go see all these movies, but I can't spend $18 every time I want to go. Mm-hmm. Well, you can sign up for A list or whatever other movie chain ticket service you want to do yeah. for $20 a month, $30 a month, and you can see two movies a month and you can save money. For sure. And it's like there are solutions out there. Um and I think for me personally and seeing like when A-List has been integrated, I've seen a lot more people just here in Fort Wayne have using A-List and like the A-List lines and stuff than I did obviously when it first started like a year ago. Yeah. I've, I've seen that become a much bigger thing. People are already picking up their tickets ahead of time. People like going there. Uh, and like I, I don't buy the thing that like, oh, people would rather just stay home and watch it on Netflix. Is it easier? Sure. Is it like less like, oh, I don't have to schedule around so I can just hit play on, you know, I am mother whenever I want on Netflix? Mm-hmm. Sure. That, that's that's true. But you like there's still that like event sort of feeling of going out and seeing, you know, a movie. Yeah, for sure. And then but like of course there's just like but also there's like going kind of like acknowledging that, but also flipping back to people are on the internet. Word of mouth gets around a little yep. bit quicker. One bad review of for a movie, I mean not one, but you know, a few uh-huh. are going to spread on social media. I mean, especially for like the larger movie going audience. I mean, that's not what drives, drives numbers, right? but it's what drives some of the numbers and a lot of it. And especially discerning people. And it's like, well, I can wait. Like you said, if it's bad, I'll wait for it on streaming service, even though I think it looks like it could be cool. Right. You know, you kind of, you implicitly trust, or you just kind of like, you trust them enough, but then you're like, all right, I'll check it out for myself later. Mm-hmm. Why spend my money? And then that's right. when they, and then that's when they go to Netflix. That's when they go out somewhere else or whatever the case is. You you yeah, watch The Office again. Right. I mean that time. like that kind of mentality even still like, happens to me where I'm like, oh, I you know I want to go check out Ma, but like I've heard it's not good, so I'm not gonna rush out mm-hmm. like 
figure out, okay, well, I can do it at this time on this day sure. of the week. I'll wait for it till it's on Netflix or the Blumhouse streaming service or something yep. and check it out that way at my own convenience for free relatively and not have to like go out. And like, is that a bad thing? I don't think so because if the movie's not great, then I don't want to have to like go out and check it out. If I'm not like, I'll have to go see this movie Yeah. for X reason. For sure. So um, I think the last thing here that we should probably touch on is like, is this a problem? This, the struggle of the box office beyond the summer season or is this something that like is just currently being highlighted because it seems like only Disney is excelling at hitting at releasing blockbusters? Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of both, but it's nothing to panic about, um, if you will. Because number one, we, we just have too many blockbusters. Okay, yeah. I've seen too many explosions, and I I, I, I like I, I honestly think the world would be better if a John Wick movie, if five John Wick movies came out every year. You know what I mean? I'm not going to say no to that. Or, 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 <laughs> let me rephrase this. Movies like John right. Wick, like Booksmart, where they're low budget, where they're, you know, we're not shelling out the budget of five get outs mm-hmm. for Robert Downey Jr. As much as he may be worth it or not. I don't know. I have a hard time believing that. <laughs> but like, and that any, anyone is. Okay? Okay. Therefore, now, like, I mean, because... You know, then you automatically have to have this massive reward. And I think that the industry is just about to shrink at least down the size of what they go for. Effects will be cheaper. All of these things as you keep going forward. I don't know I mean, about that. If James Cameron has his way. I think if anything, he'll just, the technology will increase to the point where it's like, well, now they have to be even better. So we're spending even more money to get to that level. Mm, good point. Especially rendering for. I was just reading about Ghost, the <laughs> HBO thing. But no, neither here nor there. Um, and so that's why I think so. And then, but then also, like, you see the big risk, massive reward that Disney's getting, mm-hmm. but it's not just what they have on screen. It's the strategy. Yep. And that was DC's problem early, early on with their films, I suppose, or at least with the, the suits and ties wanted, mm-hmm. you know, up in the boardroom from Snyder initially. And so, like, when you, it's just the market, it's, it's, it's watching movies like a market. When they can't be treated like that, and right. they shouldn't be treated like that. CNBC, they shouldn't be writing up summer Hollywood blockbuster, you know, breakdowns and charts because the industry doesn't work that way. I mean, it's not the stock market. Like, like yes, DC's like we need to have an interconnected franchise like Marvel because there's profit to be made uh-huh. there, so they push for that. It doesn't work in terms of storytelling. It's it's a totally different atmosphere. Disney's just been the people to do it right. Right. Well, I don't think, and I think that's the ultimate problem. It's not that. I don't think Disney's to blame being like, oh, well, people are just saving their money for Disney. So right now they're not seeing movies because they're just saving up to go see Toy Story 4 next week. Or they're after that, they're going to not go to the theater after that because then they're going to be saving up to go see uh, Frozen 2 in the fall. And then after that, they're going to be saving up to go see Star Wars 9. Yes. Are all those movies going to be hits? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's a interest in them. Um, but at the same time, I lost my point. Okay. So- <laughs> well, I'll say this. Dang I will it. say this on top of that while you regrain. Um, like people aren't like waiting for a Disney movie. They're waiting for the movie that they want to see. They're not like, where's the Disney logo? No Disney logo. Okay. See you later. (laughs) Warner brothers. What? No, thank you. Like I, I venture to say half people don't even know the studios behind these things. Blaming Disney for regurgitating IP. Maybe blaming Disney for buying up studio after studio after studio. And that's how they're raking in their profits. Yes. Bust them up. Okay, fine. (laughs) Whatever. But, 
at the end of the day, people are still going to see things that look good that they want to see. And it's about feeling that out and it's about strategizing around that way and then lowering your expectations as well. Like, because yeah, I mean, yeah, you need to, you will want one movie that'll bring the house down Mm -hmm. and rake in 50% of your profits off of. It's not going to be that easy. No, You're going to have to take risks and tell stories like in niche ways like Blumhouse. Yes. And I think that that is, brings it back to my point of you can't just, if you're another studio, try to chase Disney and be like, well, we have to be Disney. We have to do what Disney's doing, but better and bigger. Mm-hmm. You can't like, that may sound like a, uh, impossible thing. Like you can't, you can't do it. Like Disney has somehow perfected this market and this strategy of been like, we are going to roll these movies out. We're going to give audiences what they want in a lot of ways. And they're going to be hits where if you're another studio, don't look at this of like, okay, well how do we take our old classic anim- animated movies and make live action movies of them and make those hits? How do we take our superhero franchises and make them the biggest shared universe in the world? Like you don't have to do that. You go and do the opposite. You do the counter programming, the lower budget, whatever it is. And some people may say, well, that didn't work for DC. Cause that's what Zack Snyder tried to do. Try to go dark and gritty to be opposite of Marvel. It still comes back to quality, giving people what they want, presenting it in an interesting way. Um, And I think if you're doing that, and I think one of the Warner Brothers executives recently talked about this, of like how with now Disney owning so much of the box office with Disney and Fox under under one roof, that it's going to give Warner Brothers the opportunity to try different things that they wouldn't have otherwise done. And Mm -hmm. if that's the way we go, then like that's okay. Yeah. Like, sure, I think people will be unhappy when it's like, end of the year box office disney made up 40 percent of the box office alone maybe even 50 percent mm-hmm. just because they're hitting out they're cranking out billion dollar hits left over or month after month but then if you're looking at mission Impossible movies john wick movies right. um even like you know movies like jurassic world and stuff like that are continuing to be box office hits uh then i don't see like then there's still room for these other studios just don't try to do it at the um the level and consistency and um, the the quickness that yeah. Disney seems to do it at the pace and the pace and scale are two huge things. And you know, I mean, uh, you you want money. It's just like it's balancing art with profit. And that summer box office has kind of become an allegory for, uh oh, numbers are slipping. The end is near. Right. It's like studios, movie studios, sadly operate that way. And it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose like this is getting into the grand, oh, what I believe about art and storytelling and whatever the case is. Um, but it's nothing to panic about because they're still going to be in the business because they're still turning an overall profit. Dropping 1.5% or not making a fran- making another film in a franchise, like that doesn't harm us. That doesn't hurt the industry. I mean, movies are still being made. Right, I mean, Calm one, down. one of the biggest hits of the year i mean it's not a billion dollar movie by any means but it's but us is one of the biggest earners domestically because like jordan peele's brand has been able to build up enough hype Mm -hmm. and interest that his movies are a draw and so i think there's ways for other studios to do the exact same thing i think a quiet place 2 is going to be just as big as it is the first one because they they took a chance on a small movie it paid off big time and now you can be rewarded for that just like john wick the first one very small movie it barely even like did that well at the box office and now Lionsgate is stuck with it and now they're have one of the biggest hits of the summer he killed someone with a 
pencil. That's right. <laughs> so I think that is probably where we'll wrap up this conversation, unless you have any last thoughts you mm, want to get I out I don't, here? not without um, breaking out my manifesto. So Okay. <laughs> but it's just, it really, really does boil down to, if I had to answer this question, it's, I don't remember what it is. The question was, why are some summer movies struggling at the box office? And it's because people are swinging for the fences and you're missing big, you know, and it's, it's the quality. It's a myriad of things, but it kind of just boils down to you can't, you know, have one huge hit after the other. I mean, you you need to strategize differently. Yeah. In many ways, Disney is an outlier to the Hollywood system. Other studios should not be trying to replicate them. They should not be, like you said, swinging for the fences with $200 million budgets to then have $40 million openings. You mm-hmm. just scale back, find your place, find your own way to do this, become good at that. Don't try to be the next Disney. Try to be the the, the first Warner Brothers or the first Paramount, you know, the new version of them. Yes. Um, in that in that case. And in doing so, make good movies because then people want to go see them. Mm-hmm. You know, if Dark Phoenix or if MIB International was really good and I really enjoyed it, I'd be telling people, hey, go see MIB this weekend. Or go see it this coming week or next right. weekend. Yeah. Instead, I'm like, eh, if you're a fan of the other ones, sure, maybe you go check it out. But, like, you don't really need to rush out to go see it. Mm-hmm. But if it was great, I'd be, I'd be doing the exact opposite. I'd be saying, like, Aladdin. I'm like, you know what? Like, you know, it's, is it similar to the first movie? Yeah, but it's also really good. So go check it out. For sure. So that's ultimately where we lie on this big question why are summer movies struggling at the box office? Of course, those are just our opinions on the question, and we would love to hear yours. You can do so by tweeting us at Friends of Film, and you can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper. And you can get at me, Josh, at Juice Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, head over to iTunes and say five star review with comments. Tell us why you enjoy listening to the show. Thanks again for tuning in to the Film Podcast. Josh, thank you for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn next week for our future episode.